Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. It's a good word. It's an encouraging word. But the fact that we need it is a little bit scary because the word is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. There's different names for God throughout the Bible. And the names really are descriptions of his attributes or his character. And one of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh. It can either mean the the Lord sees or the Lord will provide, which is interesting that the same word is used for both seeing and providing because it implies the nature of God and his goodness that if he sees your need, he will provide for your need. And you say, well, God sees everything and every need. Well, no, the scripture says that his eyes are always attentive unto the righteous, but he turns his face away from the wicked. So when we're wicked and we're in sin and we're in rebellion and we're doing those things that are contrary to his word and his teaching, he can't look on that sin. His eyes aren't on us. He turns away. So much so that even Jesus on the cross, whenever he took the sins of the world on him, it's that God had to turn away. That's why Jesus cried out, why have you forsaken me? And you had the darkness and all of that. He couldn't bear to look at the sin laid upon his son. And the scripture says that he'll turn his face away from the wicked. So if you're in sin and rebellion, you can't expect him to provide all of your needs. But if you are in righteousness, right standing, in other words, doing the things that he says is right, which means that you have cried out to Jesus. You have asked for his blood to cleanse you. You've asked for his spirit to fill you. You've asked him to lead you and be the Lord of your life. And you're doing the best that you can to walk out his teachings or to learn them because, you know, he teaches us and he has mercy as he takes time to teach us these things. But when you are doing your best, you know, uh, my grandfather used to preach, he'd always say, you do your best and God will do the rest. There's not a whole lot we can do, but we do the best we can. And when we do, he picks up the rest and he makes the impossible possible. So as we walk those things out in faith, doing our best to be in right standing with him. We know that his eyes are upon us. He's watching us. And if he sees us, then he will provide for us. You can open up Genesis 22. We're going to read one of the, uh, well, it is the first time that the name is used. We'll start in verse 1, and I'll just read through a large chunk of the uh, chapter to kind of get the context of where this name originated from. This is the story of Abraham. Of course, we know that Abraham and Sarah couldn't have children. God came and promised Abraham that he would give him a son and that this son would be the progenitor of many peoples, a great mighty nation, and that all the world would be blessed through this son. And so eventually, after 25 years of him believing this promise and nothing happening, eventually God fulfills it and he gives him the son. The son grows up a little bit and then we come to this point at which it says God tests Abraham. He tells him to go up and offer a sacrifice. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee. 
Okay, this is the son of promise. You've gotten this promise and all of these things are supposed to come through this son. But now I'm telling you to lay the promise down and sacrifice it. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again unto you. Now notice he's going with the order to sacrifice the child. But he tells his young men that are with him, his servants, me and the lad will come back to you. The the faith of Abraham understood, we're told, and later in the New Testament in Hebrews is that he said he knew God promised this. God promised this child. God promised that all of these blessings would come through this child. So even if God's got to raise him back from the dead, he's going to do what he said. So I'm going to do what God tells me to do and trust him to fulfill his promises, even if he's got to perform a miracle to do it. That's what faith is. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. So the image here is that him and Isaac are walking up this hill, uh, Isaac carrying the wood, Isaac being almost a prediction or an archetype for Christ walking up that hill carrying his own cross, going to his own crucifixion. And Abraham being like God the Father, the pain, the agony, but the faith that God's will will be done even if he's got to raise him from the dead to do it. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. This is the first place that the concept of God as Jehovah Jireh, the provider, comes up. And it's very important because the very first mention is that God will provide the lamb. He will provide the sacrifice. He will provide the offering. So, continuing. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. 
And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Now, if you go back to the original translation, again, that name can, that word can go to seen or it can go to provide. So it could have also been translated that, and Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord he shall provide. This mountain where Isaac was to be sacrificed, but the Lord provided another sacrifice in his place is the same place that Jesus was sacrificed. It's Mount Calvary. The Lord provided the sacrifice. Actually, God provided everything when he provided Christ. There's some archetypes there of Isaac as Christ, but Isaac is also us because Isaac was the one that was supposed to be sacrificed that day, just like we were supposed to die for our sins. But God provided the lamb. He provided the substitution. He provided Jesus. God provided what was to truly be sacrificed. And that's part of the faith of Abraham was to believe that God would provide whatever was needed to fulfill his promises. You know, we, we think about the provision of God or the Lord will provide and our mind immediately goes to physical things, money and, and cars and homes and those things. But ultimately, the greatest provision God has ever given was to provide Jesus to be the sacrifice and propitiation of our sins. And the deepest and most original meaning of the word, of the name Jehovah Jireh, is that he is the God who will provide. Abraham was willing to give up his son so God said, I'll be willing to give up mine, and I'll provide the better sacrifice. So Jehovah Jireh, our provider, is the one who gave us our Messiah. You can read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son. So Abraham received the promise, but had enough faith in God to be willing to lay down the promise, knowing that God was able to raise it up again better than before. Had Abraham not been willing to lay Isaac down, would we have gotten Christ? We don't know. But we do know this, that throughout history, the pattern of God has been to test us to see if we are willing to lay down our promise because we try to achieve things ourselves, but when we lay it down then he always brings it back better than before he brings it back in an impossible miraculous way so that we know it's his will and his hand and that he did it and we don't get glory for it it says by faith Abraham when he was tried offered up Isaac and he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Abraham believed God to provide a miracle. We, we look at it and the, the miracle of, God, of him believing that God would provide a lamb is enough. But when you look at it from... The Hebrews description, 
you see that he really believed that even if he had to kill Isaac, that God would raise him from the dead. So he was believing in more than just a lamb. He was believing God to provide a miracle if he needed to, to perform his promise, which he did do later in Jesus. So in this, it says that Isaac was a shadow of what was to come. So we talked about his eyes being on the righteous as long as we are repentant and in right standing with him, then we know he sees us. And if he sees us, then he will provide what is needed. In actuality, he already has when he provided Jesus. So we look at that first because our greatest provision, our greatest need is spiritual. Once addressing that, we can look a little more because he also does provide the physical. May not, may not always be everything we want, because some of the things we want actually aren't good for us, and he's good enough not to give it to us. But he will give us what we need. Go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is money or materialism. You can't serve God and materialism or a love of money. Now, it's interesting that this whole passage, this whole section that talks about God being willing and able to provide for us begins with a warning that you can't serve God and mammon. You can't love money, materialism, or things. So if that's what your focus is on, you need not go any further because you're already not in right standing and the rest won't apply to you. Get your heart in the right place. I always said God always blesses most those who desire at least. Like Abraham. He blessed Abraham with material things, but he was always giving it away. He, he was always, he didn't, his heart wasn't in those things. If your heart is towards the materialism, then you're serving that as your God and King, and God won't give you something that's going to hurt you in the end because it'll bring damnation. But if your heart is for him, and you can use those resources for the good of others, he is more willing to give. You can't serve mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment or clothes? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto your stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, and this is Jesus speaking, that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink? Or whether shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. 
For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Right? He's not belittling the need. There is a need for these things, and God knows the need. But rather, he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And I think that brings us back to the point. It says, seek God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. In other words, seek to be in right standing with God and his eyes will be on you. And if he sees your need, he will provide. God will always provide your needs as long as he sees. And he will always see as long as you are pursuing him and his righteousness and seeking to be in right standing. You say, well, that's hard because we mess up. That's why you have to repent. Don't run around trying to figure out how to fix it or do it your own way. You get back to the prayer closet. You cry out to him, you repent, you get back in right standing, and he'll fix it. We're country folk here. We all love gardening and, and livestock and all that stuff. And so I, I think it needs to be said that, you know, I love my garden and we have chickens and all those things, but I don't expect my garden to save me <laughs> from what's coming. We do know there are hard times coming. We know that there are economic troubles coming. We know that this nation is falling apart. And I do not put faith in a garden or in chickens to help me. I put faith in God. I like my garden. I grew up having a garden. I like to sit in the garden and pray. If I knew that we were going into an economic boom and, and all was going to be great, I would still have a garden because I like a garden. But I don't put my faith in the garden because I know that everything can be taken away in an instant. I know that you can be relocated. I know that thieves can come and moth and rust and all those things. I don't have faith in any of that to save me. Nothing you store up can save you. If Katrina didn't teach us that, then nothing will. Anything you store up can be stolen. The only thing that can't be stolen is your faith and your righteousness. No man can take it from you. You can forfeit it. You can walk away from it. But no one can take it from you. Nobody can take you out of his hand. Only you can choose to walk away from God by walking away from what he says is right. Faith in Jesus and in him only. So tonight I think the message is the reminder of who God is. It's his name. It's part of his character and he won't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's given a promise. Be in right standing, and his eyes will be on you. And if his eyes are on you, then he will provide your need. So more than worrying about a garden, which is not wrong to have. We love to have abundance. We give to each other. We like to eat clean. Those things are not wrong. I'm not preaching against it, and I'm not telling you not to do it. But I'm telling you that your faith in Jesus and being in right standing with him, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, will cause all the things that you need to be added unto you. And I've seen it so many times in the past where a person was in a dire state and they came to God and they cried out to God and he rushed in and he saved them and he fixed it and then they ran off and did their own thing again. Okay, thank you for the fix. I'm, I'm done. I'm gone. And they're living their own life again. They're getting out of right standing and then things start falling apart all over again. And they go through these cycles, cycle after cycle after cycle. And then you have 
40 years in the wilderness when really you could have been in promise 20 years ago. So let us learn the lessons. We love God. We love who he is. This is part of his character. This is a great thing to grab hold on. Utilize it. Don't try to use it and then lose it and then come back crying for it again and then lose it. Learn to live in it. This is provision and he's willing to give it. Philippians 4, 19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The truth of the matter is, is that God has already provided everything that we need because that he provided himself. And that's enough. He is really all we need. And I love the way the passage reads. You know, we all quote it. He'll supply all our needs according to his riches and glory, but it's actually singular, not plural. God shall supply all your need. So you only have one need. What's that need? What he provided. The ram in the thicket. That sacrifice. But he does go above and beyond because truly the only thing he needed was that spiritual provision which he gave. But yet in Matthew, Jesus also promises those physical provisions. So he goes above and beyond. And a little bit earlier in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, he even promises our emotional needs. Be careful, or the word translated to careful there in some translations says anxious. It can mean anxious or worried. Don't be worried or anxious for anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, supplication is, is giving of thanks and giving your request to God in a state of thankfulness and faith. In prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. I like that. I don't think it's in here, but I'm reminded of the scripture that would counter this. The scripture that talks about a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Do not think that God will give anything to this man. And here he's saying, don't be anxious. Don't be listening to the voice of the enemy. Don't be listening to all those other things. Bring everything to God in prayer and supplication. And when you do that and you make your request to him, have faith in him to, to tend to it and it'll give you peace. But there's another passage where it says a double-minded man, which, and when you know I've taught it before, that word mind is the literal translation is spirit, which means a man who's listening to more than one spirit. In other words, you're hearing what God said here, but you're also hearing what the enemy said over here, and you're hearing what the news said over here, and you're hearing what your friend said over here, and now you're wishy-washy, you're like a wave tossed in the sea, it says. You're unstable in all of your ways. Don't think that God will do anything for you. Because you don't have faith in him and what he said, you don't have faith in his provision. Don't let the worry and the anxiety and all of those things set in. When does it come in? Usually when we're listening to all those other voices. Go back to the scripture. What did it say? Who is he? Do you believe it? Have the faith of Abraham. Abraham believed that he was Jehovah Jireh, that he was the God, his provider. So do you believe it? I've experienced it. He has been my provider. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, 
shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, that's, isn't that interesting? We, we, we always hear that quote. They like to put it on the Christian athletics. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, every time you go to do something hard or, or do something that somebody else says you can't do, or you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but we don't look at the context. He was actually saying that I have the ability to endure, to suffer. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Whether I'm being in abundance or whether I'm being in a little bit of a need. I can survive. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God will make a way. Look, there was a time when I was doing ministry, when I, uh, when I was uh, first sick with the Lyme's disease, and God was sending me out, and I had no income, and, and God sent me to Baton Rouge for, it was probably about two years before I started to get some income. And... I look back on it and I'm like, I don't know how he did it. He did miracles and I didn't even realize it at the time because I would go to Baton Rouge every day right around Baton Rouge doing ministry. And I'm telling you for those two and a half years, I hardly ever filled my gas tank. I mean, like maybe once every two or three months. And I didn't even realize it until I started getting income again after the fact when, when God released those funds. Once I had the money and I started realizing that I couldn't make it twice without having to refill my tank. And I'm like, how was I doing it before? Oh my gosh, he was multiplying the fishes in my gas tank. <laughs> so, and I didn't even realize it when it was happening. But looking back on it, I'm like, I never filled my, I can remember the times I filled my gas tank. Like over the last, like, amazing. But he does it. He will provide the need when there's a genuine need. Maybe not always what I want. If I don't want it to take a trip to Alabama, you know, just to go paint my toenails, like he probably wouldn't have provided that. <laughs> but I needed gas to go do ministry in Baton Rouge. He provided it. He provided it miraculously. He always had a roof over my head. I always had what was needed. Maybe not everything wanted, but I had what was needed. I was in the will of God. I was doing what he said to do, which is the nature of righteousness. To do what we think is right is self-righteousness. To do what he says is his righteousness. And he will always provide a way to do it. Abraham believed that. Abraham knew God told him to do this. And so he said that God will provide a miracle if he needs to, to, bring, to make his word good. So I'm going to trust him and just go.
That's the nature of righteousness. The Bible says so, and then it says that it was accounted unto Abraham for righteousness because he believed God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, remember it said that God knows what you have need of, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not your own, not somebody else's, not a doctrine, not what somebody said. God's righteousness, his righteousness, what he says. Do what God says, and then all these things will be added unto you. I think it's very important to notice that there seems to be a connection or a tie between seeking God and the releasing of his provision. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these things will be added unto you. As you walk out in obedience, he will provide what is needed. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and implying that he is God, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And I love this. It's a very short passage. It's probably one you're going to want to highlight. Psalms 34 verse 10. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Through scripture, there is a correlation between seeking God and the releasing of his provision. When you're doing what he says, because if you seek him, then you will know what he says. And as you do what he says, he will release the provision for you to do it. He doesn't always give. Sometimes he does. You know, he's a good God. Sometimes he gives us what we need to do, what we want, if it's not an opposition to his will. But he always gives us what we need to do what he wants. He doesn't speak something and then leave it in your hands to figure out how to do it. He provides. So go ahead and open to Psalms chapter 23. And we're going to read it together tonight as we close. Like I said, I don't have a very long lesson. I just have mostly a word of encouragement, I think probably in the face of what's coming. I didn't write it for that purpose. I prayed and that's what the Lord gave me. And then I realized after the fact that it probably means things are going to get a little shaky. But this is what he gave me. So we're going to release it. And I think we should close this word by reading a declaration and proclamation of Psalms 23. Because I think it's a beautiful embodiment of who God is in this nature of being our provider and the fact that he is so faithful to keep his promises even if it seems like they've died so we talked tonight about physical provision he will provide our needs physically our emotional provision he will be there for us emotionally but most importantly he has provided our spiritual provision he is there for us spiritually and when he gives a promise, when he speaks something, it doesn't matter how hard or impossible it might seem, and it might even look like it's died. Usually that's the case if it's truly from God, but that's just so he can resurrect it on the other side and show that he really did it and get the glory for it. You just have to have the faith of Abraham to keep trusting and following him through as the God who will provide no matter what he has to do. So... Psalms 23, starting in verse 1. 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads. We've got to be willing to follow, to seek. And he is willing to lead us in those paths of righteousness. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. If he is all we need, then we have nothing to worry about or to fear. He is with us. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over it. I love the image of it. He's in the shadow of the valley of death. He's in the presence of his enemies, yet God is anointing him. You anoint kings and priests and people of high degree. He's being anointed in the presence of his enemies. His cup is running over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So Lord, we thank you for your promises. We thank you for your provision. We thank you that you are the God that sees us and that you are the God that provides for us. Lord, we do not put our faith in mammon or in money because it will fail. We do not put our faith in material things because they will fail. They will be taken away, Lord. We don't put our faith in the things that moth and rust can destroy or thieves can steal. We put our faith in you and know that if we are willing to seek you, to get a word from you and to trust it like Abraham did, to follow you and to follow your instructions, no matter how difficult or illogical it might seem, just like Abraham did, then we will be counted in right standing, just like you did for Abraham. And that those who are in right standing, you will provide for, Lord. You will provide because if you tell us to do or to go or to be, then you will provide the means. So Lord, we just praise you tonight that we are reminded that you are the God who sees and the God who provides. It's not just a promise, it's who you are. So it cannot be changed because you do not change. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So let every heart tonight say, Lord, if there's anything that I've done to get out of right standing, Lord, I repent Lord, show us that we might turn away from it. We ask to be washed by the blood of Jesus, to be filled with your Holy Spirit, to hear you clearly. Lord, we commit to abide. Lord, like Danny preached last Sunday, there is hiding in the abiding. That's that place where we seek you and we pray and we hear from you, Lord. And as you begin to lead and to instruct and to teach us and to show us who you are in the scriptures, Lord, that we will do our best to walk it out like Abraham did and you will come in and do the rest to provide what is needed to complete it. Lord, so we just thank you tonight that you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. In Jesus' name, amen. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.